just one generation, the internet connected people across the globe. And now, slow news days are a thing of the past. It's a lot to keep track of, but WHIP has you covered with local, national, and international stories. Join us for a rational look at a complex world. This is Rational Radio on WHIP. Hello and welcome back to Rational Radio. I'm sorry, I accidentally <laughs> played the district intro we again. Psyched you out there for a second. We wanted you. We wanted to like <laughs> test and see how good yeah, you are with uh, with schedules. Confuse you. I I do that. <laughs> I swear, like I do that every time I'm on board here. I didn't do it last. It's every time you're here. It's every time I'm here. Yeah. Um, I get psyched out by Tony's presence because yep. he just like scares me. I'm a very <laughs> I'm a very intimidating figure if um if you've never been around me. Um <laughs> you know, like seven feet tall. You uh, know, you know, you have the voice to like where you can lie about that and people will probably <clears throat> believe you. Little do they know, I am like I'm like hundred and twenty pounds. I'm a tiny human being. Um <laughs> But I don't sound like it, which which makes radio fun. It's perfect for radio. So we've got we've got a so day. Um, we are we're talking about one thing today, um, and it's it's a hell of a thing. Uh, this is so, some fun facts before we we jump into what we're talking about. This okay. is probably going to be my last show. We, um, oh no! Yeah, because le- next week will be the last show before uh, yeah. finals. Might just be me and Emily by ourselves. Um, Probably, I mean, unless there's some kind of miracle, and I am my my schedule's not as bad as it looks like uh, it's going to be. Maybe I will make it next week, but I scheduled out the rest of my semester like three days ago, and I almost gave myself a massive anxiety attack in the process. Yeah. Um, there is oh, being a being a double major senior with like jobs and stuff is. Uh, so we're gonna we're gonna treat this like it's your last show, and yes. we're gonna celebrate like it's your last show. Indeed, and and then maybe you'll come back, but probably maybe, not. <laughs> maybe kind of like the crackdown this week. Yeah, and that this is we're treating it like the last crackdown, but like but there's like a there's maybe. a chance that we might do it next. It week? depends on how confident we all feel, because we'll be doing it if we do it next week. Tony will be way too busy to help us. Yep. So we'll be doing it all on our own, and then one of isn't like one of our editors also going to be gone next week so um that's this week okay which is also unfortunate for yeah me. so um, that means amelia's doing that yes and i i wish her luck um amelia is going to be <laughs> jumping in like head first to the crackdown process of doing the whole that's thing that's the best way though i mean i jumped oh, yeah. into doing this head first and you did well which and i think that amelia is the sort of person who can do really well because she also jumped into doing mm-hmm. the writing kind of head first she was oh, like yeah. i guess i'll do that and then she wrote like five stories <laughs> for those of you who don't know um amelia is another person here at the department i believe what she's on rational she's on wednesdays, wednesdays I think. and yeah. i should i should know but my mind has been somewhere <laughs> else she also does the wednesday news update i believe yes i, I do believe that is the case mm-hmm. So um, you know her voice. Oh yeah, probably. I accidentally played her yesterday because <laughs> the news updates are messed up still. Yeah, we might a, accidentally play her today because perhaps they're I'll still see. messed up. There's we'll a very see. weird persistent bug um, with our news update system. But in any case, we've got a a, a, a treat for this last episode of uh, of Rational Radio, and that treat is that the Mueller report dropped yesterday. Um, Woo. Yeah, whoa, whoa, <laughs> oh, yay! Heck yeah. 
Oh boy, it's four hundred pages. Um, and and you read the whole thing. I I didn't quite read the whole thing okay. because I flat <laughs> out didn't say, have that time. Would be... Um, but fortunately, the way Mueller laid it out, it has a series of executive summaries. Mm-hmm. Um, and those cite further details, and you can get deeper into the report if there's anything in the summary that you're not sure about. Um, figure out where that evidence came from and stuff like that. So I spent about eight hours with the report over the past uh, couple days. Over the past yeah. day, yeah, because it's it's <laughs> it's been out for roughly a day now. Um, spent like eight hours reading it, um, working with it to to try to get something summarized. I'm going to have a link to the summary um, that I made with this episode of Rational on our on our website. So if you check it out when it's a podcast. Um, Please do check out the link to the summary that I'm using. Uh, I am going to be using a summary that I made, which cites the report itself. Mm-hmm. Oh, if you want to read the report and follow along, Barnes & Nobles has it for free on Kindle. Yep, um, and it's also <laughs> all over the internet. I highly recommend that you do. It is a very important document to have, um, and it's not as redacted as you might have thought it was. Um, I've, I was actually pleasantly surprised mm-hmm. to a certain extent by the details that weren't <laughs> redacted, at least um, in the executive summary. Yeah. Um, but what we're not going to be doing today is we are not going to be referring to analyses by other um, other media outlets. We don't want to give you what New York Times thinks about this. We don't want to give you what the Washington Post thinks about this. We don't want to give you what the Guardian or the BBC. This is what Tony thinks this about is, this. And this isn't even <laughs> what I think. Because like if you, you all get a chance to see this uh, the summary um, tomorrow, very little of my own thought is is uh, is in here. I tried. That's why um, we're working with a uh, an independent summary, mm-hmm. um, because I wanted to have something that was very strictly details from the report, right? Um, citing primary sources because that stuff is important with this. Um, so, without further ado, <laughs> let's get into the the introduction with the report. Um, before we get into the actual cases that we're uh, that we're going to want to look at. We're going to talk primarily about volume two of the Mueller report, which is the portion of the report that focuses on obstruction of justice, Mm -hmm. because fortunately, I'm very happy about this, um, volume one suggested that at the very least there wasn't enough evidence to prove that the Trump campaign colluded with with the Russian government, Um, so he should be in good shape in that regard, Um, which I think is a good thing. I was really not looking to, to see shocking evidence that our current sitting president yeah. um, c- coordinated with the foreign government that is <laughs> that's that's always good news like it's last last thing before we actually get into this like I, I I want to point out um this is a lose-lose situation um it doesn't pay for us to arrive at any conclusions about innocence hastily because a lot is at stake and it doesn't pay for us to arrive at conclusions that he's guilty hastily um, because again, a lot is at stake. But of course, it's not our job. Um, if we determine that this is serious enough that he has to be, um, that he has to go to trial for this stuff, the first step in that process is impeachment. We'll talk about that later. Um, so let's start out with the the introduction to the report. It opens with a with a series of paragraphs that just talk about um, why the report is in existence. Mm-hmm. Um, I will. I'll just read that off. This report is submitted to the Attorney General pursuant to statutes which state that at the conclusion of the special counsel's work, he shall provide the Attorney General a confidential report explaining the prosecution or declination decisions the special counsel reached. 
Beginning in 2017, the President of the United States took a variety of actions toward the ongoing FBI investigation into Russia's interference in the 2016 presidential election and related matters that raised questions about whether he had obstructed justice. The order appointed the special counsel. Um, the order appointing the special counsel gave this office jurisdiction to investigate matters that arose directly from the FBI's Russia investigation, including whether the president had obstructed justice in connection with Russia-related in with Russia-related investigations. The special counsel's jurisdiction also covered potentially obstructive acts related to the special counsel's investigation itself. This volume of our report summarizes our obstruction of justice investigation of the president. Um, this is page one of the executive summary to volume two of Robert Mueller's redacted report. Um, so I want to start out by going into detail about four guiding considerations um, for this for this report um, that Mueller wants to make abundantly clear before you get to the actual uh, evidence that he lays out. The first of those is that Mueller and his team specifically chose not to make a traditional prosecutorial uh, decision. He notes that normally such an investigation either initiates a prosecution, in other words, it would indict the person being investigated, uh -huh. or it would decline a prosecution, conceding that there is not enough evidence to move forward. Mueller did not do either, and he notes that the Office of Legal Counsel guidance states a sitting president cannot be indicted, so indictment was not an option due to constitutional constraints. He also notes that indicting the president would place a burden on him um, as far as doing his job goes. So Mueller did not make a traditional prosecutorial decision because he could not formally bring charges. That's number one. Okay. Number two, a sitting president can be subject to a criminal investigation. He wants to make this clear. Constitutionally, that can happen and is not immune after he leaves office. Um, there's not a, I guess you would call it like a statute of limitations on this in that regard. Mm -hmm. um, those are That last bit is my words, not his. The point is this... He can be investigated, um, and he's not immune to being indicted when he's not in office. Right. Um, third, and this is really big because this is the part that Barr very much miscategorized um, and led to a lot of the controversy around this. The report does not draw an explicit conclusion about obstruction, not because there wasn't enough evidence, but because doing so would be unfair to the president and violate his rights to due process. Um, and again, this is a, a summary of a longer paragraph where he goes into the, uh, the statutory and, and case law basis for all of these arguments mm -hmm. um, or the regulatory basis. He cites a lot of stuff in this. Um, it does not draw an, ex a, an explicit conclusion because it is unfair to the president because, like I said, it would violate his rights to due process. Um, this is because the president cannot be indicted and charged um, and he cannot go to court as a sitting president. This is actually Mueller defending the president's rights here. Mm -hmm. um, this is actually super crucial, and I'm really glad Mueller did this because it's, it's giving the president the, the, the protection that he deserves as a citizen of the United States. Right. Um, the reasoning for this is that, again, because he can't be indicted, if Mueller were to come out and say the president obstructed justice, there's no way to start a trial. There's mm -hmm. no way to give him a chance to officially argue his case. Um, and that's, that's not okay. Uh -huh. um, that, would, that would violate his rights to due process. When you're accused of a crime in the United States, you have the right to do that. Um, you have a right to a, a speedy and public trial, and that is impossible for the president while he is sitting in office. Right. Because of that, 
specifically for that reason, at no point does he say the president obstructed justice. Because in Mueller's view, and I think that he made a very valid argument here, he cannot make that statement. The fourth point is directly related. The lack of a decision, and this is where Barr was was unfortunately misleading because it's going to make a lot of the discussion that goes on around this much more difficult. Mueller specifically states that the lack of a decision is not a statement that there is no evidence the president obstructed justice. I'm going to quote him directly here. Fourth, if we had confidence after a thorough investigation of the facts that the president clearly did not commit obstruction of justice, we would so state. Based on the facts and the applicable legal standards, however, we are unable to reach that judgment. The evidence we obtained about the president's actions and intent presents difficult issues that prevent us from conclusively determining that no criminal conduct occurred. Accordingly, while this report does not conclude that the president committed a crime, it also does not exonerate him. Mm-hmm. So, those are the four major considerations that Mueller wants people to have in mind as they read this report to review them again real quick before we hop on to our first break um the first one was that Mueller specifically chose not to make a traditional prosecutorial decision he did not either decide to indict the president or decline to prosecute him second a sitting president can be subject to a criminal investigation and is not immune after they leave office Third, the report does not draw an explicit conclusion because doing so would be unfair to the president and that it would violate his right to due process. Fourth, the lack of a decision is not a statement that there is no evidence the president obstructed justice. Accordingly, this is again quoting Mueller's actual report, while this report does not conclude that the president committed a crime, it also does not exonerate him. From that position... It presents us with evidence and kind of punts the decision to Congress and the American public. Mm -hmm. When we come back from this break, what we are going to discuss are some potential defenses the president might have, um, Mueller's legal definitions that he uses to define obstruction of justice and related uh, potential crimes, and then we're going to go into the actual evidence. There are 11 recorded instances here Um, where the president may have broken applicable law. We're going to get into all of that on the other side of this break, if you want to take us home. All right. We will see you guys back in another minute. And welcome back to Rational Radio. My name is Amaranth, and with me is Tony. Mm -hmm. And uh, we're talking about the Mueller report. Oh, yeah. We're going to get right back into it, and you're going to hear, apologies if you don't like it, a whole bunch of my voice, um, because if you all weren't here on the other side of the break um we are working on doing our very best to summarize this report no bs no fluff um what are the details what are the the main points um so that you can hopefully have productive conversations about this in the future Mm -hmm. um so to summarize super briefly what we talked about on the other side of the break um we went into the guiding considerations behind this report Uh, which are laid out on pages one and two of volume two of the report. The gist of those considerations is that this investigation was legal. Um, The special counsel is authorized to to, uh, hold a criminal investigation against the president, and the president is not immune after they leave office. Um, Mueller did not make a traditional prosecutorial decision. Um, The report does not draw an explicit conclusion because doing so would violate the president's uh, due process rights. 
which is one of the one of the big ones, not because it didn't find evidence. If Mueller were to come out and just say it looks like the president obstructed justice or really any other um, one of these crimes, it would be an official government body. It would, in effect, be the government accusing a person, Trump, of a crime in a situation where, again, Trump, he can't be indicted. He can't go to court while he's the sitting president. Mm-hmm. Um, so he would not have due process. He would not be able to have a, a public and speedy trial. Um, so Mueller can't do that. And he states that in his report. And that is why um, he did not come to a traditional conclusion. Instead, he lays out what the laws are. He lays out what he found in his investigation, and he essentially punts it to Congress and the American people to make a decision. So now um, we're going to move on to that part. In a summary that I prepared for all of you lovely listeners, um, it goes into some potential defenses and a quick, like, plain English summary by myself of the situation. But we're going to skip that stuff and get right into Mueller's legal definitions so that we can start talking about the evidence that he collected and how it might apply. So we're going to start with the big one, obstruction of justice. This is described on um, pages 9 through 12 of volume 2 of Mueller's special uh, of Mueller's report. And it notes that there are three basic elements common to most of the relevant obstruction statutes. And for all of what we're talking about, Mueller extensively cites um, statutes, which are just laws, as well as case laws, which are past situations where people have been um, charged with crimes and how how they've gone down. Um, Those are the two elements that make up law in America. It's precedent and then what the statutes say. So he notes that the three elements common to, to the relevant obstruction statutes are, one, an obstructive act is committed, two, a nexus between the obstructive act and an official proceeding exists, and three, there is corrupt intent. So let's talk about what those three things are real quick. An obstructive act reaches all... So let me... Back up a second. (laughs) Obstruction of justice law reaches all corrupt conduct, and this is what the act would be. Any form of conduct capable of producing an effect that prevents justice from being duly administered regardless of the means employed. This means that any effort to influence a proceeding can qualify if it meets the following um, qualities, which we will talk about in a moment. An improper motive, and this is an important note that Mueller makes, can render an actor's conduct criminal even when the conduct would otherwise be lawful. That essentially means that if you have powers you're legally able to wield, if you wield them in a a corrupt way, that can be obstruction of justice if Mm -hmm. it can be proven. Two, a nexus to a pending or contemplated official proceeding. This one is is fairly obvious, but it's important. Um, Obstruction of justice law requires that the actions taken are connected to pending judicial or grand jury proceedings or to pending federal agency proceedings, uh, proceedings or a congressional inquiry or investigation through some relationship in time, uh, causation, or logic. So in other words, the action that is taken needs to have some direct relation with one of the investigations going on. Okay. Yes. Um, So it's not just like, so you can't just pick a random action of the president's and be like, that has something to do with the investigation and you're in trouble. Mm -hmm. Um, There has to be concrete connections. Third, and this is the big one, is the definition of corruptly or corrupt intent. This is the intent element of the law, and this is generally what is the hardest to prove. 
for reference, and I do think this is relevant because this was the last high-profile case like this, corrupt intent is what was unable to be proven. Um, it, specifically in uh, Hillary Clinton's case, it was criminal intent. But in the emails case that captivated everybody a few years ago, um, Hillary Clinton esca- escaped prosecution for her handling of classified emails for a similar reason. They couldn't prove criminal intent. Um, what this means in more specific terms is that the acts above a let me read the an obstructive act with a nexus to a uh, or, or to a pending or contemplated official proceeding needs to occur with an intent to obtain an improper advantage for himself or someone else inconsistent with official duty and the rights of others it requires that the person is acting knowingly and dishonestly or with an improper motive, which is what I just covered. This requires consciousness of wrongdoing. The president needs to know that what he is doing is wrong and outside of his authority. In this context, um, that means the president would have to be trying to protect himself or someone else for reasons inconsistent with his job, which is, broadly speaking, executing the law of the land. Mueller cites a litany of case law here to characterize this definition as the long-standing and well-accepted meaning of corruptly. This is another area where William Barr differed drastically from the report. Um, but that's not what we're talking about. Um, and like I said, this tends to be quite difficult to prove. Um, but it can be proven. You just need to be able to put the actions in a context that suggests the person, again, was acting with corrupt motives. Mm-hmm. So... There are some other potential crimes being investigated. These are other topics the special counsel was given jurisdiction over. One of those is witness tampering. This requires that someone knowingly uses intimidation or corruptly persuades another person or engages in misleading conduct toward another person with the intent to influence, delay, or prevent the testimony of any person to an official proceeding or law enforcement officer. This is broad and does not have to be coercive or threatened. It can include telling a witness to lie, urging, inducing, or arguing with witnesses to get them to say something. Coaching or reminding witnesses by planting misleading facts, telling potential witnesses a false story as though it were true, intending for them to testify to it, urging a witness to recall a fact they do not know, even if that fact is true, urging a witness with an improper motive to cooperate, um, to not cooperate with law enforcement. Those are the specific examples that Mueller cites. Again, those are backed up with statutory and case law. Mm-hmm. Finally, and this is the last relevant area before we start to look at the actual findings of the report, Mueller defines attempts and endeavors to obstruct justice. Because you don't have to obstruct justice to be guilty of a crime in the same way that you don't have to kill someone to be guilty of trying to murder them. Right. Um, <laughs> just... <laughs> that's, that's, I mean, that's this how, is like... the attempted um, murder of the obstruction of justice world. Yes, that is exactly what this is. <laughs> um, so a, a person, the first one is an attempt. A person is guilty of an attempt when they have the intent to commit obstruction and take an overt act that constitutes a substantial step toward that goal. What that means is that mere abstract talk is not enough. It needs to be concrete and a specific action that corroborates with the defendant's intent to obstruct justice. Mueller notes here that soliciting an innocent person to engage in conduct constituting an element of the crime can qualify here. Mm -hmm. An endeavor to obstruct justice is broader. It essentially means that a corrupt effort to obstruct justice can be a crime even if it doesn't succeed. 
and that's based on all the elements that we've already gone over. Right. Um, prosecutors don't need to prove that justice was successfully obstructed, only that the endeavor was made. Mm-hmm. So... <laughs> That was a lot. Um, as we go over these individual cases, I will call back to which laws are most relevant to each one. We're going to try to rattle through these quickly because there are 11 of them. They are all complicated. Um, we'll probably do this through the next break. Before we get into this, I want to uh, remind us all of a few things. First, this is the meat of the report and what will inform Congress on how to move forward. Before now, often when we talk about Um, This investigation and the details around it, a lot of it has been speculation. A lot of it has been hearsay. Um, That's honestly why a lot of the media coverage has been so annoying. It's been a lot of he said, she said, a lot of things that were confirmed, unconfirmed. Mm -hmm. What we're about to talk about now is, for all intents and purposes, confirmed. Um, This is the evidence that Mueller collected. And if you want to see what the proof is, there is a 400-page document (laughs) waiting for you on, like, every website in the world right now. That will lay out where it came from. Um, this is information that came from tons and tons of interviews um, with people close to the situation. Again, it's all in the 400-page report. Um, these are already summarized in the report's executive action, uh, executive summary section. You can read along with me if you want. It starts on page three of volume two. Um, all of these events present evidence for potential obstruction, attempts, and endeavors to obstruct or witness tampering. Um, if you do check the the document that I share when this goes up, um, you'll see that I've highlighted cases which I think pose the greatest threat to the president based on the legal definitions above. However, the information in this summary is based strictly on the report, and I've tried to keep as much of my own editorialization out of it. So, <laughs> let's get into the first one. Okay. The first issue that the um, that the report lines out, uh, or the first instance of potential obstruction, was the campaign's response to reports about the uh, about Russian support for Trump. Trump publicly expressed skepticism that Russia was responsible for email hacks, while he and other campaign officials privately sought information about further planned WikiLeaks releases from a source which is still classified. Um, it's detailed in the report, but it's it's blacked out and redacted. Trump also... Go ahead. Oh, no, I was just oh. saying secret. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, Trump also publicly denied having any business in or connections to Russia, even though his organization had been pursuing a licensing deal for a skyscraper in Moscow as late as 2016. That was a lie um, when he publicly denied that. Right. Um, Granted, at this point, he was not in office. This is one of the um, one of the instances that I think is less potentially damaging to him. Mm-hmm. Um, and we can talk about that more once we've rattled them all off. The second one is much more serious. Um, this occurred... So the next one is his conduct involving the FBI director, Comey at the time, James Comey, and Michael Flynn, his former national security uh, advisor. So incoming national security advisor Michael Flynn falsely denied to the vice president, other administration officials, and FBI agents that he had talked to Russian ambassador Sergei Kislyak about Russia's response to U.S. sanctions on Russia for its election interference. Um, This is something Flynn was ultimately convicted of lying to the FBI about, about. so this was a crime. He was found guilty of it. Um, And the president was briefed about this info on January 26th. So at that point, the president knew this happened. Mm -hmm. 
On January 27th, the following day, Trump invited FBI Director James Comey, um, who was in the process of administrating this investigation, so to speak, to a private dinner and told Comey that he needed his loyalty. On February 13th, the next month, Trump requested Flynn's resignation. The following day, Trump told an outside observer, quote, now that we fired Flynn, the Russia thing is over. Later that uh, later on the 14th, the following day, and this is where this is where um, he could be in, in serious trouble. The president held a one on one meeting with Comey referring to the FBI's investigation of Flynn. Trump said, I hope you can see your way to clear your way clear to letting this go to letting Flynn go. He is a good guy. I hope you can let this go. Comey did not comply and would later be terminated. We're going to get into why this is so serious on point number four. Before we get into that, though, there's the next point that Mueller goes over, which is the president's reaction to the continuing Russia investigation. Um, this is in volume two, page three and four. In late February slash early March of 2017, Attorney General Jeff Sessions was in the process of determining whether to recuse himself. This is because he was involved in the president's campaign. Mm -hmm. In early March, the president told White House counsel Donald McGahn to stop Sessions from recusing himself. When this failed and Sessions did recuse himself, Trump expressed anger and told advisors that he should have an AG who would protect him. Trump personally urged Sessions to unrecuse himself at an event that weekend. Later in March, when Comey publicly disclosed that the FBI was investigating 2016 election interference, Trump reached out to a variety of intelligence agency leaders to ask what they could do to publicly dispel the suggestion that he had any connections to election interference. Trump also directed Comey about this, uh, directly called Comey about this twice, despite receiving guidance from McGahn to avoid direct contacts with the Department of Justice. This is relevant because the president was, a, was advised against getting involved and chose to do so anyway. Trump asked Comey to lift the cloud of the Russia investigation by publicly confirming that he was not under investigation. It is worth noting here, for the president's perspective, Comey had earlier reassured him that he was not personally under investigation at that time. Evidently, this may have changed. The next one um, is where the president is potentially, um, again, things get more serious for his outlooks. And we're going to have to talk about that one after this break. Yes. <laughs> so stay <laughs> tuned. Want, yeah. Stay tuned. We will be back in just a few minutes. And we are back on Rational Radio. My name is Amaranth. This is Tony. And we're talking about the Mueller report. And we're going to get right back into it because it is we have so much to cover. That's why we came back a little early. Yes. Um, and thank you all for just listening to a bunch of straight up talking. It may not be the most entertaining. I will. It's, I'll admit that. But it's it is interesting, though. It's, it's important. so important. Um, and so many sources that we've seen have been summarizing only specific bits or just highlighting like weird quotes. Um, and we, we don't want to give you half the story. We want to give you the, the full thing, the full report and not just speculate. Um, so that's what we've been doing before this. <laughs> There's too much before this break to summarize, so if you missed parts of it, I highly recommend that you check out our website tomorrow um, when this episode goes up on whipradiotu.com. Um, you can also check out our podcasts on Spotify. We'll have a link to both the full report and a summary, not pulled from the New York Times or the Washington Post or any of those, uh, but made by myself over the past eight hours Um just 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 really digging through this. It's a lot of words and legal jargon. Um 
so right before the break, we talked about, um, we started getting into the factual results of the obstruction investigation um, and the individual incidents that it investigated. Before the break, we talked about one through four. Those were the campaign's response to reports about the Russian, about Russian support for Trump. Two, conduct involving FBI Director Comey and Michael Flynn. That was one of the more... Um, serious of the two, at least um, based on my observations. Three, the president's reaction to the continuing Russian investigation. And four, the president's termination of Comey, which is what we talked about right before the break. That one ties in a bit to two and is another one of the areas where the president may be facing serious legal peril um, based on the definitions of, of obstruction of justice, which we also talked about before. Um, before this check back if you're listening check back on our podcast tomorrow to learn more about that also everything we've covered so far literally everything is in the first 15 or so pages of volume two of the Mueller report Mm -hmm. Um, there are redactions but they're sparse in that part of the report so you can follow along so um let's get on to the the rest of the details about comey's firing i'm going to kind of review um Oh wait, did we even do we even get to no, we didn't start it. Oh we didn't start it. Okay. The president's termination of Comey. Yes. We did not start that. So we went one through three. We actually didn't get to the president's termination of Comey. Okay. So <laughs> the president's termination of Comey um is where things get a bit spicier because this is something that could be viewed as much more overt obstruction. On May 3rd, 2017, Comey testified in a congressional hearing but declined to answer questions about whether Trump was under investigation. The president decided to terminate Comey within days. The president insisted that the termination letter state that Comey had informed the president he was not under investigation. The day of the firing, the White House declared that Comey was fired based on independent recommendations from the attorney general and deputy attorney general. Um, This was based on his handling of the case involving Hillary Clinton's emails. However, the president had made the decision to fire Comey before he heard from the Department of Justice, which is what that would be referring. The day after Comey was fired, um, and just to kind of refresh on on obstruction laws, this is getting into the corrupt intent part. Um, Mm -hmm. If the president fired Comey because he believed he wasn't doing his job properly, that could be a proper decision. If there's evidence to suggest the president fired Comey to protect himself or his associates, that would be obstruction of justice. Mueller makes neither of those claims because he's unable to. Um, So the day after uh, Comey was fired, the president told Russian officials that he had, quote, faced great pressure against uh, because of Russia, end quote, which had been, quote, taken off, end quote, by Comey's firing. The following day, the president acknowledged in a TV interview that he was going to fire Comey regardless of the DOJ's recommendation. That's a big point. And that he was thinking that, quote, this thing with Trump and Russia is a made up story. End quote. When he decided to, quote, just do it. Um, <laughs> <laughs> that's just that's uh, what is that like Nike's trademark or something? Yeah, yeah. that is the, <laughs> just, that just is do the it. Nike's uh, all right. That's a tangent. Um <laughs> On to the next one. This next one is also um, is also serious, and it, it, it comes up later as well. This is the appointment of the special counsel when that actually happened um, and efforts to remove him, which is very serious. Uh, when the special counsel was appointed on May 17th, the president reacted by telling advisors that it was, quote, the end of his presidency, end quote. He also used a, a, a bad word, which a lot of outlets have been really focusing on for some reason. But anyway, 
Um, after that, he demanded that Sessions resign. The president told advisors that the special counsel had conflicts of interest and could not serve. His advisors told him the asserted conflicts were meritless and had already been considered by the Department of Justice. On June 14, 2017, the media reported that the president was being investigated for obstruction of justice, calling it, quote, a major turning point in the investigation. The president's immediate reaction was a series of tweets criticizing the DOJ and the special counsel's investigation. This is the part, um, this is the piece of evidence that is dangerous for the president. On June 17, 2017, the president called McGahn at home and directed him to call the acting attorney general, tell him that the special counsel had conflicts of interest, and order him to remove it, which is, again, contrary to the statements of his own Department of Justice. McGahn did not carry this out, deciding he would rather resign than trigger what he saw as, quote, a potential Saturday night massacre. Um, that's referring to Watergate, if you're not familiar. Mm -hmm. um, the next one is related efforts to curtail the special counsel's investigation. On June 19th, two days after his attempt to fire the special counsel, the president met one-on-one -on -one with his former campaign manager, Corey Lewandowski, and dictated that he deliver a message to Sessions, ordering that he publicly announce the investigation was, quote, very unfair, that he had done nothing wrong. Um, that is, very unfair was the, the quote part. The rest of this is a summarization of a longer quote, uh, that he had done nothing wrong and that the investigation should move forward specifically in regards to probing meddling in future elections. So in other words, that it shouldn't look at him in his election. Exactly one month later, the president asked Lewandowski for an update on his message. Lewandowski said it would be delivered soon, but he was not comfortable with delivering it personally and asked senior White House director Rick Dearden to deliver it instead. Dearden was uncomfortable with the task and did not follow through, so it never happened. All righty. Seven, the next issue. Um, this one is one of the ones that is less directly damaging, I thought, but of course all of these are relevant and my thoughts are my right. thoughts. Um, these are efforts to prevent public disclosure of evidence. This is, on, this is in volume two on page five. In the summer of 2017, the president learned that media outlets were asking questions about the June 9th, 2016 meeting at Trump Tower between senior campaign officials, including Donald Trump Jr., and a Russian lawyer who was said to be offering damaging information about Hillary Rodham Clinton as part of, quote, Russia and its government's support for Mr. Trump, end quote. On multiple occasions, the president directed aides not to publicly disclose the emails setting up this meeting. Before the emails did become public, the president edited a press statement for Trump Jr. by deleting a line acknowledging the meeting's involvement with an individual who might have information helpful to the campaign, instead stating it was primarily about adoptions. When the press asked questions about the president's involvement in Trump Jr.'s statement, the president's lawyer repeatedly denied that the president played any role. This was a lie. On to the next one. Number eight, further efforts to have the attorney general take control of the investigation. From the early summer of 2017 to December of 2017, the president called Sessions at his home and urged him to unrecuse himself. He met privately with Sessions and asked that he take a look at investigating Clinton and suggested Sessions would be a hero if he took back control of the investigation. The president told Sessions, quote, I'm not going to do anything to direct you or I'm not 
going to do anything or direct you to do anything. I just want to be treated fairly, end quote. Sessions responded that he had never seen anything, quote, improper, end quote, on the campaign and told the president there was, quote, a whole new leadership team, end quote, in place. He did not unrecuse himself. Finally, not quite finally, there's a few more. We're at number nine. This is another one um, that is more serious on the surface. Efforts to have McGahn deny that the president had ordered him to have the special counsel removed. This is related to number five, when the president ordered McGahn to effectively fire the special counsel. In early 2018, as I just mentioned, um, the press reported... Oh, sorry, I'm getting confused. In early 2018, this gets to um, when the press found out about the president's actions that we described in number five. Um, the press reported on those events. That was the appointment of a special counsel and the efforts to remove him. Yes. The president reacted to the news by directing White House officials to tell McGahn to dispute the story and to create a public record that the president had not ordered him to have the special counsel removed. In other words, the president told McGahn to lie. McGahn told those officials that the media reports were accurate in stating that the president had ordered him as, de- as described. The president then personally met McGahn in the Oval Office and again pressured him to deny the reports. In the very same meeting, the president asked McGahn why he had told the special counsel about the president's effort to remove the special counsel. And he also asked why McGahn took notes of his conversations with the president, which is never mind. (laughs) McGahn refused to back away from his recollection of the events and maintained his story at that point. Ten, and this is the second last major point. Um, made in the description of evidence. This involves conduct toward Flynn, Manafort, and a redacted person, someone whose identity is still protected. Um, There's been speculation as to who this is. We're not going to add to it because that is still just speculation. Um, After Flynn began cooperating with investigators, the president's personal counsel left a message for Flynn's attorney. Um, Attorneys reminding them of the president's warm feelings toward Flynn asking for a, quote, heads up if Flynn knew information that implicates the president. When Flynn's counsel reiterated that it could not do this, the president's personal counsel said that he would make sure the president knew Flynn's actions reflected, quote, hostility, end quote, toward the president. During Manafort's trial, now this is moving on to Manafort then, during Manafort's trial and while the jury was deliberating, the president praised Manafort in public, said he was being treated unfairly, and declined to rule out a pardon. Um, the reason why this is highly relevant is that all of those things, especially declining to rule out a pardon, um, could be witness tampering based on the, um, the definitions above. Um, this entry, it's worth noting, though, is incomplete because some information regarding an additional party has been redacted due to ongoing matters. Finally, this is the last big one covered in the report. From September 2015 to June 2016, this is about conduct involving Michael Cohen. Um, During that period of time, Michael Cohen, a former Trump Organization executive and Trump's personal lawyer, pursued the Trump Tower Moscow project and briefed candidate Trump on the project numerous times, including discussing whether Trump should travel to Russia to advance the deal. In 2017, Cohen lied to Congress about the project, stating he only briefed Trump on the project two or three times and never discussed travel to Russia with him. Cohen engaged in extensive discussions with the president's personal counsel before the congressional hearing, in which he was told to, quote, stay on message, end quote, and not contradict the president. 
When Cohen's home and office were raided in April 2018, the president publicly asserted that Cohen would not, quote, flip, end quote, contacted him directly to tell him to stay strong and privately message their privately passed messages of support to him. Again, this is potential witness tampering. Um, based on the definition outlined earlier. Cohen also discussed pardons with the president's personal counsel and believed that he would be taken care of if he stayed on message. In the summer of 2018, Cohen began cooperating with investigators. At this point, the president turned on him, publicly criticizing Cohen by calling him a, quote, rat, and suggesting, and this is also another big point in terms of witness tampering, that his family members had committed crimes. As the President of the United States, those kinds of claims carry weight. And those were the big events that Mueller looked at. After this, he makes a conclusion on factual issues, and I'm going to read from that now. This is quoting the report. We did not make a traditional prosecution decision about these facts, but the evidence we obtained supports several general statements about the president's conduct. First, the investigation concerned the president. Some of his actions, such as firing the FBI director, involved facially lawful acts um, within his Article II authority, which raises constitutional issues discussed um, below. And this is in potential objections um, to these arguments, which are covered in the summary, but we unfortunately do not have time to go into here. Um, the ultimate findings are that none of them hold up legally. At the same time, the president's position as the head of the executive branch provided him with unique and powerful means of influencing official proceedings, subordinate officers, and potential witnesses, all of which is relevant to a potential obstruction of justice analysis. Second, Unlike cases in which a subject engages in obstruction of justice to cover up a crime, the evidence we obtained did not establish that the president was involved in an underlying crime related to Russian election interference. Although the obstruction statutes do not require proof of such a crime, and this part is important, the absence of that evidence affects the analysis of the president's intent and requires consideration of other possible motives for his conduct. This is me interjecting here. That could include um, the guilt or non-guilt or the actions of his associates. Third, many of the president's acts directed at witnesses, including discouragement of cooperation with the government and suggestions of possible future pardons, took place in public view. That circumstance is unusual, but no principle of law excludes public acts from the reach of the obstruction laws. If the likely effect, and this is what I really need you all to consider moving forward as we wrap up, because this decision is being punted to Congress and to us, Mueller cannot bring charges we have to. In order for that to happen, we either have to wait for him to not be president or impeach him. If the likely effect of public acts is to influence witnesses or alter their testimony, the harm to the justice system's integrity is the same. And that is as best a summary I can give in one hour. <laughs> of what the Mueller investigation found. That literally took us up until the end. Right, that was kind of perfect timing. So we're gonna have to we're gonna have to leave now. But as always, check out the crackdown that comes out on, mm -hmm. on Sundays on WHAP radios, YouTube. We're gonna talk about this on there as well. Also oh, yeah. check out our podcast. You'll see this coming up tomorrow, in addition to the whole summary that Tony gave and links to the report yes. itself. Check out the so. report itself. Yeah, check this that is out. It's so free. important. It's free. free. You can find it anywhere. It has summaries. Every major section has a summary that goes into depth about what it's about. Really, it is your civic duty to read this thing. It's important. Yes. All right. And we're going to have to leave now. Have a good night, everybody. <laughs> Peace. <laughs>